Welcome to ACC Nation. That's Will Ogenen. That's right. And I'm Jim Quist. Thanks for letting us join you. We've got a lot of sports on the table. Coming up in a few minutes, we have a special interview with D1 Baseball's Aaron Fitt. Going to talk a little bit about what's going on in college baseball. It's crazy stuff going on. And a lot of wild things going on in the ACC. There's some things that Aaron's going to share with us that uh, is going to blow your mind. Okay, so that's that's coming up here in a couple of minutes. But Will and I have a ton of things to talk about, including NFL mock draft, which I think we're going to kind of split up on both sides of this because there's a lot to talk about there. I'm kind of excited about that. I always love the mock draft. Mm-hmm. Not as pumped about it this season for some reason uh, as in the past, but I don't know. I, I've really gotten into to watching the NFL draft. Yeah. And I think some of that this year has to do with the fact that I just don't feel like the talent pool is as good this year as it is yeah. in years past. And there is no game changer necessarily in the way, say, Trevor Lawrence was last year. Still going to be some really good players that come out of this draft, but I just don't think there's that elite level player in this year's draft. And here we are, we're recording Monday night, and we still don't know who's going to go number one. Yeah. Well, Guys at CBS Sports have a mock draft. We're going to share some of the, uh, the the tidbits, the golden nuggets from that list. And uh, they still have, as their number one pick, a guy out of the ACC. So we're going to find out who that is. Uh, first, some quick news here. And congratulations, Wake Forest men's golf, 22 champs for the conference. Boy, that that was quite uh, a, a playoff. And, and let me tell you something this past weekend, when it came down to golf and tennis off the chart, sort of, of uh, competition, um, it, it has been a phenomenal season. It didn't finish maybe the way a lot of people thought it was going to, but congratulations to wake forest men's golf team for, uh, they're winning the uh, 22 ACC championship. Then uh, over in tennis, it was uh, Duke taking the women's tennis championship. And again, like I said, maybe not what people thought was going to happen. Uh, Virginia took the men's tennis championship, and that was a battle. Uh, that, that, again, that's a dominant team, but yet it wasn't a cakewalk for, for them whatsoever. So that was... Um, a lot of fun to watch uh, over the weekend when uh, when I had an opportunity to flip through. Um, and uh, something else that's coming up, the ACC uh, women's lacrosse bracket, that has been laid out. Play begins on the 27th this week. So in a couple of days, basically, we're recording on the 25th. So um, coming up on Wednesday, the 27th, number eight, Pitt, taking on number nine, Louisville. Winner of that game, uh, well, congratulations. You get to face the number one UNC on <laughs> Friday, the 29th. Um, and then number four, Duke takes on number five, Notre Dame, number two, Boston college takes on number seven, Virginia tech and number three, Syracuse takes on number six, Virginia. The ACC network is carrying all of those games. So if you really like lacrosse, like I do, I am going to be scoping out a lot of sports this week. A lot of sports. Love, I love a lot of the spring sports. Well, UNC is a juggernaut this year. Absolutely. I don't Crazy. think they lost. Um, 
the uh, Learfield numbers, uh, and for those of you who don't follow that part of it uh, very closely, that's basically recognizing teams across like Division One in this particular case, uh, Directors Cup. It is uh, the the more wins that you have in your conference, you go up. Mm -hmm. And the ACC is has made a heck of a surge this year uh, in the Learfield uh, Cup, and it's it's just um, it's amazing. It's been I won't say it's a turnaround, but it, it's just a, it's a surprise. There's been so much success in the conference sports wise, basically all season. So good stuff. Um, softball, uh, the, the latest, which was basically last week's NFC, uh, USA today, uh, top 25, the new poll is coming out this weekend. We'll share that with you. Virginia tech, number three, FSU, number five, Clemson 17 and Notre Dame 22. So that's pretty cool stuff. A now, pretty significant gap in the standings between those four and everybody yeah. else. Yes. Yeah. Um, but this is, this has been a great, um, a really great season for mm-hmm. softball. Um, I was watching some of the analysis uh, and I think it's Brittany McKinney um, doing some analysis on um, the huddle, not the huddle. That's, that's football. Anyway, I was talking with Dalen and uh on on the acc network and was sort of analyzing some some softball um and if if you if you don't catch that and here's the thing the the acc network it really hasn't a lot of people haven't really gotten into the groove yet it hadn't been around long enough for people to understand what their schedule is and sometimes i even wonder what their schedule is um but uh they have some really great analysis on there uh, and some tidbits in this particular case, they got into uh, analyzing what was going on ACC softball and talked a little bit about uh, uh, what the thoughts were about Duke. And um, I think that this was kind of spot on, but yet you, it's an assumption and you know what happens when you assume, right? Uh, Yeah. So it was basically that, you know, Duke is a fairly new program and that uh, they haven't had, you know, experience in the limelight and whatnot, and that, uh, you know, they probably aren't going to do as well down the, you know, as they get further into it, uh, just because they don't have that experience. Um, I tend to disagree with that theory because sometimes teams that, you know, you could you could just say, well, they don't know any better. Yeah, that's that's very much true. Sometimes you don't know any better. Um, you, the you just kind of yeah, I that that has certainly been a case a few times before um, and throughout sports where you, you you figure oh they need to learn to lose to learn to win. Sometimes you're just too naive to know how to lose. That's right. That's right. And you, and the adrenaline is pumping, and you're having a good time, and that's what it's about. That's what that's what wins games sometimes. So, well, we'll keep an eye out on, on that. We'll see how things um, go this week in the the latest NFC A USA Today Top Twenty Five poll that comes out this week, and we'll have it at uh, accnation.net. Now, uh, we were talking about women's lacrosse. Now, polling wise, and you were talking about UNC. <laughs> Just a 
dominant program. Uh, the, the latest top 25, UNC is at number one. Not surprised there. Number two, Boston College. Number three, Syracuse. It has just been this ACC run uh, in this poll pretty much all season long. Uh, Duke is at number seven. Virginia comes in at uh, 16 and Notre Dame at uh, 20. I keep having to look down, even though I just looked at it a second ago. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it, just to confirm, yes, UNC is undefeated 15 and 0 overall. Yeah, I'm, uh, just an awesome run so far this season <laughs> um for the men in the usila uh top 20 uh, virginia is at number four uh, virginia has had another superb run and this is a team to watch as postseason play comes in, in into action because you just can't you cannot count out virginia in this particular instance and speaking of not counting somebody out um number seven notre dame so that's another team to watch number nine duke another team to watch and then at number 18 which i'm surprised that that, that they're not higher but the, you know they've it's been a mix uh unc in that poll so we'll see how things uh, churn out this week and how play uh uh, you know, pushes them or drags them down one or the other. Now, this is not an ACC uh, conference sport, uh, though I would love to see it that way. We just only have one team in the conference that actually plays in beach volleyball, NCAA sanctioned Division One, and that's uh, Florida State. And they are almost always in the top five. And they are, again, number five. So the championship for that is May 6th through 8th. So that's coming up very soon. So, you know, keep an eye on what's going on with beach volleyball there. That's always a lot of fun to watch too. Very competitive, um, a fun sport uh, to watch overall. Now, um, one other thing going on here, track and field. And uh, let's talk about the latest polling in track and field uh, on the men's side at number 18 is Florida State. Uh, number 22, Virginia. Then um, over on the women's side, it's number 14, NC State, and number 19, Duke. Um, and the championship for that is June 8th through 11th. So we have a little ways to go yet for all of that. Um, let's talk about the NFL draft, uh, Will. And we'll, I mean, you can pull up any of the mock drafts that, um, that you'd like. I'm looking at the CBS Sports uh, draft. I mean, there's, uh, I, tend to look at a lot of them and and i know that uh and we've had this conversation before um the um uh walter mm -hmm. yeah uh a lot of people don't put a lot of i don't know it's it's sort of like okay yeah we've you know been there done that and mm -hmm. whatever but I do look at that because those guys do have an interesting perspective and they go deep. They basically go all the way through and yeah, stuff all seven rounds. Right. I think sometimes that's probably why they get a bad rap is because if you go that deep, what happens is you're not going to hit on everything, right? You're going to be a couple of sometimes a couple of rounds off, mm -hmm. but uh, again, that uh, it's a good source. It really is a good source. Now, uh, CBS has as their number one pick. It is not a quarterback. 
And it is a player out of the ACC. And we've talked about this dude before. So let's talk a little bit more about the impact here at round one, pick one for NC State's Ikem Ekwanu, who is a uh, offensive lineman, uh, a 6'4", 310 pounds. And uh, if he goes in the first, that means he goes to uh, protect Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. So that's the projected number one pick in the NFL draft this season. As Will said just a second ago, it's not it's this year is not the the trevor lawrence sort of draft it's not mm-hmm. like you know one of those things but yeah he's a good player man it's yeah he is yeah, it's funny because when you talk about this like i'm i have three cbs sports mock drafts in front of me and I mean, obviously, you know, the one you're talking about has Iquano at number one, but then there's other ones that have Tre- uh, Trevon Walker of Georgia at number one. But we've also seen Aiden Hutchinson go number one. And, you know, like I said, we're less than 72 hours away from the draft. And the fact that we still don't know who the consensus number one pick is, I think, says a lot to the to where people think of this draft and yeah you know we we've we, you know speaking specifically to Iguanu throughout this process he's been no worse than a top five pick in most mock drafts is mm-hmm. you know he's been a real steady you know protector of Devin Leary and and whatnot and he's you know more than deserving of of being a top five pick. He has all the tools to protect somebody for years to come. We're going to get into more of the NFL mock draft and the draft, which is coming up on Thursday It starts. Then uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about that, but first our special guest is Aaron fit, who is with D one baseball. And we're going to talk about what's going on in the world of college baseball. Thanks for joining us, Aaron. Omaha is coming at us fast. Uh, at the midway point of the college baseball season, we can say it's, in one word, it's been wild. One word isn't enough. Mm-hmm. Therefore, you're in the middle of this tornado. Tell us what you've seen so far. Yeah, it has been a, a wild year. That is that is a good place to start. I mean, it just feels like, especially in the ACC, it's just so topsy-turvy. And, you know, there's a lot of good teams that are beating up on each other. Um, and you know, you look at some of the other leagues, I mean, some of the traditional powers that are down, I mean, it's striking, you know, to, to look in the top 25 and you've got Wofford and Georgia Southern ranked, but no Vanderbilt, no Mississippi state, no Ole Miss, you know, uh, it's been that kind of North Florida state for that matter. I mean, it's been a, it's been a weird season, but it's, it's been fun to, to, to kind of follow this thing as it all unfolds. Hey, the latest uh, D one baseball top 25 from the week of uh, April 25th has Tennessee continuing to ride that number one spot and, uh, and convincingly, I would say now uh, they're followed by Oregon, Miami, Southern Miss, Arkansas, throw some light on what makes these teams worthy of your top five at D one baseball. Well, it's mostly just been consistency. You know, these teams at this point in the year, uh, we're 10 weeks into the season and it's the teams that have had the most consistent years. I mean, Tennessee obviously hasn't lost a weekend. They're 37 and three. 
Um, I think Oregon State has lost one weekend. Miami, maybe maybe two. Um, Southern Miss, same about one. I mean, Arkansas too. So I mean, that's that's what stands out is winning your weekends, and all those teams are taking care of business. Um, you know, most of those teams they stand out for all really most of college baseball. It feels like stands out for offense this year. Offense has been the name of the game, but those teams that have real pitching like Tennessee, like Miami, like Southern Miss and Arkansas, I mean, they, they stand out a little bit more than everybody else because there's not a ton of really premium pitching to go around this year. We'll jump into that here in just a few moments, a little more in detail. Let's dip into the ACC, Aaron. Let's uh, talk about the strengths, the weaknesses on each of these teams um, is the batting, the pitching, the defense, or some of each, maybe a little pinch, uh, and what you like about them. And we'll start with Miami, who is in your top five. Yeah, Miami, coming into the year, we really thought the strength of this team was going to be the pitching, but they had to kind of figure out the roles. I mean, um, as, as talented as Carson Palmquist is, could he make the transition from back of the bullpen guy to being a legit Friday night ace and Obviously, the answer is yes. You know, he's he's having a really nice year. Got 81 strikeouts and 51 innings, and that leaps off the page at you. It's, it's really just a, an electric fastball with that tough low slot from the left side. And, you know, you throw in a Carson Ligon behind him and Jake Garland. Um, I think a key for them has been Alejandro Rosario kind of figuring it out after a slow start. He's come on a little bit. I like the bullpen pieces a lot. They've got the best closer in the country, in my opinion, Andrew Walters. So the pitching still does stand out, but I think the position player group has proven to be better maybe than, than we thought it would be. Um, there were, again, a lot of question marks about that group heading into the year, not a lot of proven commodities. I mean, you had Yo-Yo Morales, but um, beyond that, it was a lot of, you know, I mean, maybe, you know, there's talent here, but those guys have, have, have figured it out pretty good. You know, CJ Kafis is having a huge year and Jacob Burke, the transfer from Southeastern Louisiana, he's been a big time addition for him. Um, I, I just, you know, I, I like the overall balance of the lineup. It's not like a, uh, a classic, you know, vintage Miami lineup where they're just going to bash you over the skull, but they have sometimes, I mean, they've scored some runs, especially the last few weeks. Um, they, they've gotten those bats going a little bit. So I just think they're a pretty complete club. Let's stay in the top 10. Look at number seven, the Hokies. And is this a surprise team for you? And, yeah. and what are their strengths and weaknesses? Yeah, this is a surprise team. And it was a team, you know, heading into the season, there's like this big clump of, of teams outside our preseason top 25 that all seemed interesting, but all had question marks. And, you know, if you would have told me heading into the year that any one of, any one of those teams, you know, Virginia Tech being certainly one of them, uh, was going to make a run and be a top 25 club, I would be like, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, they, they definitely had top 25 talent in the lineup. Um, it was just a matter of would the pitching come together? That was, this is a recurring theme uh, in college baseball this year. Did they have enough arms, you know? And, and I mean, I, I saw Griffin Green, their, their ace in the fall, and I, I walked away thinking, all right, like this guy's got talent but the track record wasn't there, you know, let's, let's see him do it. Let's see him put it together. And, uh, and he's done so, I mean, that's, that's been a big key for them. And then Drew Hackenberg, the freshman has been awesome. I mean, he might be certainly one of the front runners for ACC freshman of the year. Tommy white, of course, comes to mind, but uh, Hackenberg has been really a huge key. I mean, he's eight and oh with a two ERA, you know, as a true freshman in, in the ACC, that's really loud, but Definitely what stands out about this team is that this is a team that can bludgeon you over the skull. 
because they've got big time firepower in that lineup. Of course, you've got a first rounder with, with Gavin Cross, who started to heat up after kind of a modest start. Um, he's putting up numbers as, as always. Um, and then Jack Hurley, who's just a dynamic power speed guy, is having a huge year. I mean, he's really come into his own, a guy that uh, had flashed talent before, but had the results hadn't necessarily followed last year. And this year, those results have come in a big way. And then Tanner Schobel, that's the other, I think, and, and Kate Hunter. I mean, really, it's, it's hard to just limit yourself with this team. They got a lot of guys, but T- Tanner Schobel and Kate Hunter are other pieces that have just taken that big leap this year from last year to this year. And they're strong up the middle performers, catcher and shortstop. You really love to be strong at those positions. And, and Virginia Tech is. I find it interesting with Hackenberg. He's sort of got a family uh, uh, <clears throat> tradition to live up to there. Yeah. He's making his own way without any problem, uh, especially with the performance this year. is certainly uh, impressive, to say the least. Uh, next team up is, um, is a team that's uh, had a little bit of an up and down sort of beginning to the season. At number 11, it's Virginia. Um, what's going on there exactly? Cause I, I can't qu- quite put my finger yeah. on. Well, they, they ran out of the gate, you know, with that big, long winning streak against really soft non-conference competition. And so I think people maybe thought, well, this team's a national championship kind of team because they're 14 and oh, they're beating the heck out of everybody, but they didn't play anybody those first few weeks. And then, uh, and then they kept it going in ACC play. Really. They, they won their first four series. I mean, Duke, Boston college, Wake Forest, Georgia tech. And, and that point, you started to take them seriously. Um, and then they stumbled, you know, they had that stretch where I think they lost like seven out of eight games there with, against Miami and Pitt in particular. Um, and, and, you know, and then they rebounded last, last weekend with a big sweep in North Carolina. So you're right. It has been a little up and down, uh, but overall, I mean, they've really just had two bad weeks, you know, out of 10. So that's, that's, that's pretty good. I mean, it's a, another very offensive team. And we wanted to see if they had the arms. I'm going to say this a lot, but I mean, you know, Nate Savino, there was the guy they were really counting on to be their ace. Now he's a high profile recruit. I think he was the number one ranked freshman in his class coming in out of high school uh, that, that showed up on campus. And um, you know, and the, he just hadn't missed any bats his first two years. You looked at the numbers and it's like, Hmm, you know, that's a really low strikeout rate. Can this guy really be a frontline ACC guy? I mean, he's a sinker ball guy. So you don't need a ton of strikeouts, if you can pitch to contact and get those ground balls, but um, you know, he got off to a great start. I mean, he was really good the first half of the season and then he stumbled a little bit, but rebounded this past week. So that's a huge key for them. Um, I like the way the bullpen has come together with Jay Wolfolk, another very talented uh, young player, a two sport guy, of course, dynamic athlete with a, with a power arm uh, and Brandon Neek back there. I mean, you know, they, they've kind of had to figure out the roles a little bit on the mound, but um, it feels like it's stabilized some. And so that's going to be a, Fascinating series this weekend in Charlottesville between the Hokies and, and the Cavaliers, uh, two teams that can really swing the bats. And don't like each other at all. No. <laughs> uh, Brian Gursky, what are your thoughts on on his his play so far? He's been yeah, he, he's been good. You know, a transfer from USC, uh, they were really counting on to kind of solidify the rotation with that veteran presence. And it's not like sexy stuff, you know, it, it's not going to, um, you not going to be a high profile draft guy, but boy, you get an experienced college lefty that knows how to pitch and you stick him in your rotation and he eats innings for you. He's been great. I mean, he's been really a key piece for him. Can't go wrong with the lefty ever. Yeah. Not, that, not that I know, because <laughs> but I, I like watching him play. Uh, let's go down to uh, number 16, Louisville. Now, typically at, at the beginning of the season, uh, when it comes to ACC teams, we're always talking about Louisville. But here we have right in the middle of the top 25 at number 16, Louisville. And again, this is one of those teams I just can't 
quite figure out what's happening here. So give us some insight. Once again, very offensive club. That's the strength of this team. There's no question about it. I mean, you got real thump there uh, with Cam Masterman and Dalton rushing these just big bodied physical power hitters. And then Ben Metzinger, the, the veteran, um, Dan McDonald has talked about how talented this guy is as, as a pure hitter for, for a while now. And he's had injury issues in his career, but this year he's really figured it out. Um, you know, I mean, he had hit for average before, but now he's got the power piece too. He's got 14 home runs, leads the team. And so that's been a, a big development for them. He's just a, a really good winning player, but it's a lineup that has a lot of depth. I mean, Christian Napsik is, is, is a really good player. And Jack Payton, um, again, up the middle, right? Catcher, shortstop, key spots for him. They've been good there. Um, but the, the question with Louisville is, do, do they have the pitching? And this is, you know, we've been saying that a lot, but this is a team that I, I wonder a little bit more about, you know, because their, their pitching numbers aren't great. I mean, I, I think, I think Jared Poland is, is a very talented righty that, that can shut you down with power stuff um, and came in as a two-way guy and, um, you know, eventually kind of transitioned to being a full-time pitcher. And, and now that he's, he's had more time to focus just on that skill. I think he's really taken off as a starter. He'd been a bullpen guy before. Now he's settled in having a really good year in the rotation. But after that, I just feel like there's question marks, you know, and, and they just haven't gotten a lot of consistency in the mound. And Michael Prosecki has been, been good at the back end. Um, but I think we still need to see a little bit more here. We need to see that pitching come together for me to take them seriously as, as an Omaha kind of team. Okay. And uh, the last ACC team in, in the top 25 is at number 18, Notre Dame. Now they do have a really bright spot on their pitching staff. Yeah. John Michael Bertrand has been fantastic, you know, and, and it's another one of those, like, not like a sexy prospect, but he just wins. He's a really, really polished uh, veteran pitcher. I mean, his numbers are fantastic. He's got a one six ERA. He's, he is missing bats, even though it's not like wipeout stuff. I mean, it's, it's good enough stuff. Uh, just a great college pitcher, uh, you know, a guy that you'd love to have anchor your, your rotation. And this Notre Dame team is just solid. Once again, I mean, you know, for them, you lose maybe your two most important pieces from last year. Nico Cavadas, of course, and, and Tanner Cole up in the bullpen. And so the question was, all right, well, how are they going to replace these two guys? And um, their, their lineup hasn't really missed a beat. I mean, they remain a very good, complete offensive team that just battles you and grinds you down. And you're not going to see a ton of home run numbers here. There are a few guys with some pop, but um, it's just veterans who've got so many at-bats under the belt. They're a difficult team to pitch to. And the pitching, I mean, it's kind of like last year. They just piece it together. You know, it's not a lot of premium stuff, but it's uh, mix and match and it's uh, different looks from the right side and the left side. And, um, you know, it, they just had a very interesting year because it's, I think every one of their ACC weekends has resulted in a sweep. Either they've swept or they've been swept. Um, two of those were, were weather shortened, you know, NC State and Pitt. Uh, but uh, last week they get swept at Duke, who was struggling. They were three and 12 heading into that series. They're, they're playing better now. They just won another series against Georgia Tech, Duke did. Uh, but, you know, that seemed like a stumbling block, obviously, for Notre Dame. And they come right back and they sweep Wake Forest, who's a good club. So, um, you know, you can't ever count Notre Dame down. They, they bounce back when they, when they struggle. And when they were swept at Louisville, they, you know, and then Virginia Tech, the following week, a, a one-game thing, they came right back and, and, uh, and swept Florida State and Clemson back-to-back weekends. So they've run a little hot and cold. But uh, you look up at the end of the day, they're 26-8. and eight. You know, and they're they're eleven and seven in the league, tied for first place in their division. So, um, business as usual for them. Nothing to sneeze at. Um, the week of April twentieth, uh, D one baseball delivered the field of sixty four projections. Uh, you guys blew my mind. Uh, you've got ten ACC teams in your field of sixty four. You have yeah. four number one seeds. 
Uh, you've got four number two seeds. Uh, and I know that you've got a number one th uh, seed in there. Uh, there's, you know, I'm, I'm looking at that field and I'm going, wow. Uh, yeah. what you said earlier when we were talking about uh, how the ACC has just been sort of wild and intense. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that field of 64 and what you see there and, and what we might expect on, on the road to Omaha. Yeah, I think ACC is, is kind of clearly the deepest league in college baseball this year. Usually you say that about the SEC. Um, this year, there's a big gap in the SEC between the top half and the bottom half. You know, there's a bunch of teams that are 6 and 12, name brand teams too, like Florida and Ole Miss and Mississippi State, those kinds of teams. Um, but uh, in the ACC, it's just, you know, you go 10 deep comfortably. And, you know, even this week when we update the field, I think we'll still have 10 ACC teams in um, because, you know, Pitt's got a nice resume and Wake Forest has some nice, nice wins. And, um, you know, NC State is just kind of lurking right there, 11 and nine. They feel like they're still on the verge of maybe making a run toward a host. They, they, you know, they need to, to, to bounce back from that series loss to Louisville, but they've got certainly the ability. And Florida State, I still believe, is going to be a real dangerous club in the postseason with their pitching. It's just that their offense is just okay. Uh, but pitching really matters when you get to postseason. And, and there's not a lot of teams that can match Florida State on the mound. So, and then you've got teams behind that. They're kind of lurking. You know, Duke, we just talked about, they were dead. They were three and 12. Now they've won back-to-back -back series. They're up to eight and 13 in the league. And it's like, is this another one of those Chris Pollard second half surges? You know, maybe um, they need to finish very strong still, but if they can get to, 14 ACC wins, you know, they probably get in. Um, and North Carolina is still alive at eight and 13. They've really faded, um, but they're not dead yet. They're still lurking on the periphery. And then you got Clemson who, again, looked like they were in a whole lot of trouble. Um, and then this past weekend, just a huge series win against Florida State for them. They, they took two out of three out Wake Forest last week. And so six and 11 in the league, like right now, they're not a regional team, but if they can finish strong, they could get back into the mix. So you can, you could see a path for 12 different teams to get in there. They're not going to get 12 regional bids, but they could get, they could certainly get 10. Um, maybe one of these other teams on the edge fades, you know, like a, like a wake forest uh, who stumbled the last two weeks or, you know, Pittsburgh. I mean, one of those teams could fall back and it'd be a nine bid league, but right now 10 feels like the number. All right, we're going to do two teams here. Uh, first, we'll take the ACC since that's what we're focusing on. And then we'll go at large and in any conference, any team. What team do you see that can sneak up and bite you and make a deep run uh, toward Omaha and maybe even getting a title? Yeah, I mean, I mentioned Florida State first because that's Parker Messick, Bryce Hubbard, you know, and then if, if, Dave, if, if Davis Hare – Pitches well in the postseason, and I mean that's a that's a good postseason, uh, a, a really good quality arm in the bullpen. Jonas Galaro, you guys have a lot of experience, um, and and then you look at uh, I think a big key for them is Ross Dunn. You know, I mean, who's got elite stuff uh, and has shown flashes of brilliance, but it's been up and down. I mean, I think that's a first round talent next year. If he can come on strong, Florida State's the team. Cause I just, you know, you look around the league, who else is besides Miami, who else has got that kind of pitching? And the answer is nobody. Um, and so that said, you know, they can't kick the ball around like they did on Sunday at Clemson. A lot of errors. That's, that's, uh, that's maybe a little bit of a concern is the defense piece as well as the offense piece. So it's a flawed team, but that's why we're talking about them as, as a, um, you know, as a sleeper pick at this point in the season, they're outside the top 25. Um, but boy, I still, I can't shake the feeling that that's a team that can make a run. I guess we'll see. Right. Yeah. I, I got one last question for you. Um, 
and I know I, at some point you've probably seen this guy uh, and you briefly alluded to him a couple of minutes ago. When you see Tommy White from NC State stepping up to the plate, what's going through your mind? Uh, yeah, I'm getting my camera out. You know, I mean, that that's that's the answer. I'm usually trying to trying to hustle from behind the plate to get down the side so I can get a, a side view because it's something's going to happen. It feels like, you know, and it's it's uh, it, obviously it's huge power. I mean, and, and what stands out about it, too, is that it's power uh, middle away. He'll drive the ball to, out to center and right. And that's really where his power is right now. But um, but he also, you know, that, that's kind of an it, evidence of his mature approach. I mean, it's, he's, he's, he's a guy for power header who is who's a tough out. I mean, he controls the strike zone fairly well. I mean, not as well maybe as I thought he would. I thought he would have more walks at this point in the season. But, I mean, his, his bat-to-ball skills are pretty good. He shortens up with two strikes. He can put the ball in play. I mean, he's hitting 365, even though he's got 18 home runs. So it's not just a all-or-nothing approach. Um, but he's just, you know, whenever he steps to the box, there's a, a different energy in the stadium, especially at home. Um, he's captivated the imaginations of, of Wolfpack Nation. And uh, uh, it, it's kind of an experience when he steps up. It's a lot of fun. Fun stuff. I it's I know it's fun. I have not seen him in person, but I tell you what, watching the video, uh, it just amazes me. And and then when I found out he was a freshman, obviously that's been some time ago. But you know when he started getting on that role, I'm going, this guy's a freshman. Yeah, Staggering. he's he's so physical. You know, he just certainly doesn't look like a freshman. But it's yeah. uh, he, he's you know, he's got a great personality too. It just seems like a really fun player. That's great. Uh, from D1 Baseball, our special guest, Aaron Fitt. Aaron, I always enjoy having you come by and talk about baseball and uh, giving us this midseason view to just kind of get a, an idea to wrap our, our heads around all this insanity that's been going on this spring, which is just absolutely delightful. Now, yeah. before you head off, I just want to say to everybody, make sure you subscribe to D1 Baseball. Some of the best resources that I, you know, in writing and coverage of college baseball. And that's why we love having Aaron on and to talk about what's going on. So Aaron, thank you so much for dropping by. Thank you, Jim. I enjoyed it. All right. Let's get back into NFL football, man. Thank you, Aaron, for, for dropping by. I, every time Aaron comes by and joins us, he is, he is so energetic. He's got so much going on. He's seen so many games um, I, I really love that the, the last bit of the, the conversation there, we were talking about a specific player at NC state and, uh, <laughs> it's so funny to, to, to hear him talk about, you know, what he does, uh, when he comes to the plate and it's, it's kind of neat. So, um, let's get back into, to looking at, at, uh, mock draft stuff here. Um, round one, pick 14 in this, this latest CBS uh, mock draft is Jermaine Johnson, the second on edge out of Florida State. Um, I, before we get into that, and he's, he is projected to go to Baltimore. One of the things that, that I'm, I'm looking at here on this list, Will, uh, you know, we're not talking about guys who are glitter. We're talking about the guys who are in the trenches doing the hard work. Mm-hmm. And that's what I see. I see everybody is is going for, we need to restock the guys who make this happen, who make the game go. And, and you may not hear their names a lot when there's a conversation going on about, you know, who's your favorite NFL player? Who's who's really, you know, because people always talk about 
quarterbacks or wide receivers, people who are making the points. Well, the people who make that happen are the, the, the guys who are on the line, who are linebackers and, and whatnot. That's what it looks to me like everybody's stocking up on. So, and that's really kind of the, especially uh, edge rushers, is kind of the where the where this draft is deep in this year. Um, and you know, going back to go ahead, where do you where are football games won? This has been said for years in the trenches. That's right. You need a good offensive line to protect your quarterback, and or to protect or uh, to open up holes for your running back. Conversely, you need a good defensive line to create havoc. Uh, you know, against the opposing quarterback to either sack him or force a bad throw to get a turnover or whatnot. But, and like I said, this is the, this is probably the deepest position of the draft is uh, as a, a defensive lineman. You look at it. I mean, Jermaine Johnson was ACC defensive player of the year, and he's looking at, you know, maybe even going middle of the first round, maybe even sooner, depending on who, who you ask. Um, you remember he was just so good this year. I mean, he was, he, 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 he was, you know, part of Georgia's D line, but you know, everyone knows you, you they're so deep that you weren't going to get a shot to play. And it just tells you just how good Johnson was. He comes over to the Florida State, gets an opportunity to play, and just crushes it. And turning that into being a, you know, at worst a mid-first round pick, and you know, going to a a team like Baltimore, who we've known to be a really good defensive team, um, maybe not so much the last couple of years, but. You know, rebuilding that defense, it's not a bad idea to go get an edge rusher, especially somebody like Johnson who can get to the quarterback very well. Yeah, that will make a big difference with, with how uh, the Ravens go. And you're talking about maybe not in the last couple of years, correct? Uh, but prior to that, that Ravens defense has just been a monster. Mm-hmm. And I guess, you know, they're, they, they've built their offense now, and, and it works. We know it works. It's proven that it works. And um, so go ahead and rebuild that defense. And then you have a Super Bowl contender. Um, it's interesting to me that um, quarterbacks just don't seem to be a commodity that people are all that interested in this year. And I don't, I don't know that it's a lack of talent because it really isn't. Um just that everybody has their quarterback or at least two quarterbacks that are worthy of of play so it's not a big demand and first round um you know there's only that i saw only one quarterback going in the first round which just kind of blows my mind yeah you know it's so funny when this process was going on everybody was thinking oh Kenny Pickett may go top 10 to probably Carolina because they desperately need a plug-and-play quarterback because we all know Sam Darnold ain't it and uh this is true (laughs) and you know their coach is on on the hot seat coming into the season and like I said Kenny Pickett's the the most plug-and-play ready quarterback of this group but I just, I've not really like seen it in him. He, I mean, not to discredit, he's, he's a good quarterback, you know, a good college quarterback. I'm just not sure it all necess- necessarily translates to the pros. You know, he, he's not going to be, he probably going to be, he's probably not going to be a multi-time pro bowler, but he's going to be somebody, you know, they want to try to plug him in. But 
this mock draft, the uh, the one you're showing me, I didn't even see him in the first round. It's so weird. No. And the one and the one that everyone loves is the one who is not going to be ready this year, Malik Will Willis, the Liberty. He's and yes, um, he's been you know mocked to some teams that you know don't need a quarterback right away necessarily. Um, I've seen him going to Pittsburgh. I, the one you're talking about, I think, is going to New Orleans. Right. They have they'll have Jameis Winston. I mean, that's not exactly a proven commodity there. And we, he turned he turns the ball over quite a bit. Uh, but he but if you're you know want to get he's worth you know the one year to try to get Willis groomed and ready to take over. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's weird how much mock drafts change over time you start to see you know the 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 think tank be, get changed so much just because you're getting closer I'm like oh hey people maybe they're over evaluating the you know what they're seeing just to kind of talk themselves out of something i don't know i i hate to say this because i, I really do like malik willis i've I think that's somebody who's been over evaluated. <laughs> no, I just, here's, here's my reasoning behind this. <clears throat> okay. Now, not, not to, to downgrade Liberty's football program. I'm not, because they've come mm-hmm. a long way in a, in a very short order. They've done okay for themselves. They have certainly proven themselves against some ACC opponents. Um, but look at the overall schedule and then take a dynamic player, um, like Malik Willis and put him in that scenario. And he really stands out, you know? So maybe it's like, oh, he stands out so much, but who is he playing? Yeah, exactly. And even go back to 2020, they beat, they beat Virginia Tech and lost late to NC State. If I'm, I'm trying to remember this off the top of my head, mm-hmm. but I think that was the year he had Antonio Gandy Golden, who was drafted by Washington. I'm trying to do this off the top of my head without notes. I think that's what happened. And I don't think he had quite that receiver in you know, in 21. So maybe I don't feel like his stats didn't pop out as much, but he's still a really good quarterback. You know, obviously they don't NFL talent hasn't exactly grown on trees at Liberty university. And a lot of that has to do with, you know, Hugh freeze is a good coach. Right. Um, but yeah, I'm, I think he, he had something there and he, he turned him out into something really good, but yeah, all in all, it's not like he's had the, the the schedule has had its moments let's just say yeah all right round one pick 24 zion johnson an offensive lineman out of boston college he's 6'3 312 and he is projected to go to the dallas cowboys <laughs> you know this is, i going back to the combine or senior day really the the senior bowl he's been somebody that's been a lot of people have hyped up um, as because he's willing to learn every position on the offensive line. I know he's, he's tried out at center during during the senior bowl, obviously he never done it before. So he wasn't that great, but Hey, 
he, he's willing to learn and do whatever it takes. And someone with that kind of mentality, you, you, you're going to like, and it's not like Dallas used to have a really good offensive line, but through injuries, you know, and salary cap issues and just, you know, play dropping off, they, they need a little bit of work on that offensive line. And Zion Johnson would be a, a good value pick at that point in the first round. I think he would be too. And I think it'd be a huge, a huge pickup and, a, and a definitely an improvement for Dallas. And I'm not a big fan of, of, uh, of the owners. Um, yeah, well, sort of like Dallas and Washington, both just ugh. anyway. Um, so <clears throat> round one, pick 27, Andrew Booth, cornerback out of Clemson. This, I think he's a good, um, He's he's come up in in definitely his stock has risen. He is projected to go to Tampa Bay, which I know will make our buddy Chris happy. Mm -hmm. I think they absolutely need some uh, corner help there. That's probably the weakness of their their defense is corner. Um, and Booth, you know, he's had a pretty solid career. Clemson, um, someone who who's pretty much his stock has pretty much stayed the same the whole time. Uh, maybe gone up a little bit. He might've been a borderline first round pick at one point, but he's someone, you know, again, at 24 Tampa needs a corner. All the best ones will probably be gone. So you can't do, you can't go wrong with, with a guy like Booth. I know he's got a pretty good knack for the football. Let's go into um, round two. And this is where we're going to find our quarterbacks from the ACC coming in at uh, 41. Sam Howell out of North Carolina is projected to go to Seattle. I think that's an, an interesting, interesting direction for both. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And someone, you know, someone in Seattle, obviously rebuilding a little bit of quarterback, they traded Russell Wilson to Denver. They have drew Locke, who, again, like we said earlier with Sam Donald, he ain't it either. But they, but they need, uh, but they they have ready made weapons. Obviously, DK Metcalf is is a really really good receiver. So they need they need somebody to th to throw the football to him. And Howell, I think, be you know would do well there. I think you know obviously again he has ready made weapons. But the question is, is he good enough to eventually unseat Drew Locke? And I th I would not be surprised if he was drafted there. That by the end of the season he'd be starting. I, I would agree with that analysis will I, I i just i really think that that hal is a smart guy i think he's very talented and if given the right situation he's going to pick that up very quickly and and probably take the reins of that team very very fast um we'll see you know it's all up to the coaches uh, most coaches want to to plug and play almost immediately these days which sometimes is detrimental depending on who you get i'm, I'm hoping yep. they don't do that to malik willis because i don't think he's ready to me to too start. but uh like 100 agree with you jim like to see him um succeed i like to see all these guys succeed at the at the nfl level sometimes it doesn't happen and um we spoke of kenny pickett um the quarterback out of pittsburgh he is selected at number 43 in the second round and uh, projected to go to the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, that's kind of a nice, uh, for me, I, I feel that. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's weird that he went from number six 
to in some people's mock drafts to hear at 43, but Atlanta needs a quarterback. I mean, they're starting over. They traded Matt Ryan to Indianapolis. They signed Marcus Mariota, who has been a backup in uh, in Vegas for a couple of years. Now he's going to get get uh, the start in that offense, uh, at least for one year. I don't know if you if to kind of bridge the gap, but you know, Pickett. I've, we've talked about him already. You know, earlier he's probably the most ready-made quarterback of all the ones that are that are going to be drafted in these first couple of rounds. And you know what? He could, you know, he'll probably, I don't know if he'd beat out Mario for the starting job, but just like I talked about earlier, you know, in the last, with the last quarter, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if I think in the season he ends up starting. Yeah. I, I can see that too. I can see that. Uh, can you pick it also smart guy? He is a journeyman and uh, he is, he is going to put his head down and work hard to, to get where he needs to, to be. And um I just, that seems like a good fit. I don't know what about, there's, there's a vibe there for me that Pickett in Atlanta will do well. Um, I, it seems like Atlanta always goes with quarterbacks that sort of fit that mold. So uh, we'll see how, how that all works out. Uh, listen, um, again, NFL draft, the 28th through the 30th, we're going to be watching that and seeing how ACC players do. A lot of stuff going on this week. We're going to keep you updated on that. Our special thanks to uh, D1 Baseball's Aaron Fitt for talking about what's going on in the world of college baseball. We've got a lot more sports coming up for you right here at ACC Nation. Thank you for joining us. Have a good week. School.